Welcome back, folks, to another episode of Business from the Bass Boat, powered by X2 Power. And guys, today we've got an awesome show lined up. So glad we are in the middle of January. It feels like fishing season is getting closer and closer. And I hope that uh, everyone is getting prepared, getting tackle ready, all those sorts of things. And really, this show has been uh, kind of a long time coming. Bailey and I have had some conversations just about different folks we want in the industry on, on who to get onto the show, being that it's business from the bass boat and we try and represent some of the industry style stuff. And, and this, this guy is, is a big time player when it comes to the fishing industry and knowledge when it comes to media, the media space in fishing. And that is Todd Hamill, who is the CEO of wired to fish. Let's bring uh bring Todd in. How's it hey, going, Todd? Uh, hey, how are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Trying to stay warm. And with your background there, it looks like uh, you're trying to do the same. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, typical northern Minnesota uh, winter. We got a little snow early, actually a lot of snow early. And now it's we've got a little warm up going on right now. So it's about 32, 33 outside. Well, so we'll take it. But we know that January and February likes to bring on the cold. So we'll get ready for it. Awesome. Awesome. Now, are you an ice fisherman at all? Do you spend any time on the ice? I used to do a lot of it. Um, yeah. Now I tell people I have guys that do that. Um, <laughs> um, but it's really hard to navigate out there right now because of the amount of snow and when it came and what the ice conditions were. But we're starting to see it get back to normal as far as being able to travel. Uh, I was driving. I went south a little bit uh, this weekend and saw went by Mille Lacs and there were plenty of vehicles out on the road or out on the ice. So their, their roads being plowed now where that was really hard. Um, and the ice conditions seem to be much better across the state, but mostly North of Mille Lacs. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's always interesting that time of, uh, especially it happens here in Colorado anyways, like the March timeframe when stuff's starting to melt and you have like heavy snow on top of ice and it makes it dangerous from that perspective. And, um, when there's that much snow, it can be, it can be kind of, uh, dangerous and then also hard to get vehicles around like you're talking about. Yeah. It makes it really hard where four wheelers are out of the picture. Um, unless there's plowed roads, vehicles are out of the picture and snowmobiles with the, with the moisture like that makes it really difficult too. So you're really kind of stuck to track vehicles. Um, and, and then you can pretty much navigate most anything. But yeah, in ours in, in northern Minnesota or Minnesota is that all permanent houses and things like that. Nothing overnight can happen after February 28th. Oh, yeah. And a lot of species get shut off at the end of that. You know, so walleye, pike, um, you can't fish for them anymore uh, until our opener, which is the first weekend in May, typically. Mm. Gotcha. So a lot of people kind of stop. And so we avoid a lot of the pitfalls and the dangers because people just can't go or they can't keep fish. You can always keep pan fish. And there's certainly a lot of people that do that. But um, the hardcore guys, the big wheelhouses and things like that, they're all done. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That's what's what's crazy here too. Like we don't have any, I don't believe on any of our lakes we're, that we're allowed to have an overnight shelter um, that is permanent per se when it's a rollout like that, right. for multiple days, you can, you can definitely fish through the night or like on a trip for a couple of days, but you can't leave it out there for that entire time frame. So I've always been kind of jealous of guys who are set up shop and that kind of a thing and have like a, a hangout odd on the ice. It's a big deal. Um, that's a huge industry here. These wheelhouses, you know, where yeah. they're, I mean, they're nice. I mean, they're, 
fireplaces and satellite dishes TV, and yeah. carpeting and bathrooms. I mean, it's a big deal and guys are spending a little bit or they're spending a lot and they, they, they use them as hunting shacks as well. At least that's how they justify. Them. Oh, <laughs> but they'll go on the lake for two weeks at a time. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Well, in today's, uh, um, remote work situation, it's like, man, you could be out there out on the ice, yeah. always have something in the water. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Todd, um, first just wanted to thank you for coming on. Um, this is awesome to have representative of wired to fish and your background in the fishing industry. Um, I guess I wanted to, to dig into that to start. What was your kind of, um, entrance to the fishing industry and, and where did it all begin for you? Sure. Um, and, and I, I get asked a lot by, you know, the younger guys in, in, and I try to mentor as many as I can, um, is, you know, the hardest job to get in the fish, fishing industry is the first one. It's always the first one. Um, once you get your foot in, you can do a lot of things. So where I started was my cousin was a pro walleye fisherman on back then it was called the PWT. And I went with him to pre-fish at, um, Port Clinton, Ohio. And yeah. so we spent a week there and I didn't know anything about fishing or anybody involved in fishing and anything, which was a benefit to me because there was no level of, um, celebrityism. Everybody, sure. they were just dudes, right? They, they were, were dudes that were guys fishing. hanging out. Yeah. I didn't know there was this hierarchy and things like that. So anyway, so my introduction was, um, I stayed in a cabin with Marty and Scott Glorvigan uh, John and Dwayne Peterson and all these big shots, these, these guys that are just the gods and the walleye fishermen. And I was just some city kid that didn't do anything about it and was just coming along to help my cousin who had a broken leg and I was just there to assist. Um, eventually what happened, that was in 1995. Okay. So um, then I became a vendor. I was in the ad specialty business. So I became a vendor for Marty and Scott for their company, Gemini. Mm. Uh, making keychains and things that would say all my stuff would say Minkota or Hummingbird or or at that time it was uh, Bottom Line Electronics. Uh, mm. So the company was Canon Bottom Line. Johnson Outdoors since got Canon. Bottom yep. Line went away, um, and they were needing. They were starting to grow, and they were starting to get into. They had accessory items, but they were starting to get into the clothing, but didn't know anything about it. I happened to be working for an ad specialty company that was really big into screen printing and embroidery. Mm. So they hired me. They paid me nothing. Um, I moved three hours away to, to, to Grand Rapids the day after Christmas in 1996. Wow. And that's where I started because I had zero knowledge of the fishing industry. My first couple of weeks was really just going through Cabela's and Bass Pro catalogs. Honestly, just going no through catalogs, just looking through learning brands and learning things and then uh, talking to taking calls and talking to fishermen about getting logos on their shirts, which I didn't know anything about um, and, and learned it and then created a, an entire industry um, from that point. Um, so it, we started, we started embroidery, did embroidery forever. We were still doing the accessory stuff, but I was really in charge of the embroidery mm. and we just started adding companies. So, um, so being, so doing this since 1997, uh, I've been doing it a long time. So we did that, 
um, got to the sublimation part at that point, my skill set was really just the, the arrangement with the companies, but not about actually doing it. And so I had already ha- hired Brad Raymond. Brad Raymond was really good at, at the, the computer part, Photoshop, Illustrator, things that needed to be done that I just didn't, I couldn't do like he could do. And he started taking over that. And about that time, Marty and Scott came and sat down and said, we need a, we need a digital presence. Um, and this was 2007. And that's, that's when the, the uh, Genesis of wires started. And, um, I was with, you know, I I was one of Terry Brown's first clients at, at Bass Fan. So what Gemini was uh, advertising with, with Terry and Terry was trying to get me to, go with him and do something else. And I said, well, I got a pretty good gig. Why don't you come do this thing with me? And, th- and that's really how it started. So the first year it was just Terry and I with wired fish. So wow. we built it from scratch. We did everything from scratch. Uh, I I'd love to tell you, we did everything right. Uh, we did not. Um, but we did how we did it was we didn't know we were doing it wrong, which was probably a huge benefit. And I, and I think if you look at, um, a lot of companies that started with nothing, they started because they just did what they thought was right. And whether it was right or wrong, you believe in it, you keep doing it and, and hopefully you, you navigate through. That's, and that's, that's a really good point. I think that's been explained to me as like the beginner's mindset, right? When you, when you're new to an industry and you don't have any preconceived notions on how things are done and things like that. That's where I think some of the, the coolest contributions to an industry happen because it's people who, like you said, you're just doing it. You don't, there's not like a, a norm necessarily to, and in this case, right? Like how media is presented in the fishing industry. It's you just bootstrapping it and doing it. Yeah. And, and, and there was, there was intent obviously that when we started it is okay. There was a lot of sites that started at the same time that we did. Mm. Um, and so what we didn't want to be was another iteration or some iteration of Bass Fan, and we didn't want to be a tournament site. We, we, we were trying to figure out how to get through all of those and offer our own, um, value to the reader. And, and, you know, that, that takes a while. And, you know, we thought we would get, uh, the industry, to jump a hold of it right away and it, it didn't happen and it was really the readers and we still have many 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 of the original readers that we had that we started out with in 2008 we launched the day two of the classic in uh in in greenville south carolina okay um in 2008 wow. i'll never forget it and I, and so we had so it was february i think it was like 23rd something like that so we had eight days I still have all the records. I'm a spreadsheet guy. Uh, yeah. We did 1,218 visits that month, that week, um, as a startup, which we were really excited about. And uh, you know, awesome. here you go. So you run it. So you're in. You're real. Yeah. And 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 every every year, every day, you got to beat yesterday. You got to beat you know every number you ever had. We still operate that way. Uh, our our uh, Marty, the former owner, he would. Uh, Call me every year, no matter how successful we were, January 1st. He said, listen, you did a great job. Congratulations. But you're back at zero. Year how starts you, over, baby. How are you going to beat it? And, and so, you know, we're, we're, in a, we're, we're all really fortunate that we're in such a wonderful industry. We're, we get to talk about fishing. You get to go fishing. You get to, and the people are genuinely amazing. Incredible. Is 
but there's still a business element, right? That's what that's what you're trying to reach out is there's still metrics, there's still numbers, there's still things that you have to do. And some things aren't always uh, accepted really well. Some things, whether it be by the client, whether it be by the reader, um, but the intent is always there. And we certainly take feedback to try to get there. But at the same time, we still have a business model to do. So um, I could say that we maybe we got here made partially by ignorance. Um, partially just what uh, Mr. Seelock likes to say, straight out brute force. We just... We just put our heads down and just tried to do something and see what stuck. And if it's stuck, we did more of it. And that's why we use metrics. So I would look at metrics 25 times a day and say, is this working? Is that not working? We have real-time analytics like everybody does now. Back then, it, it wasn't then. Um, and we spent way too much money on metrics when we started, and, and it was overkill. But it really helped us get to where we got to. Mm. I, I think that that's a really important thing. And um I'm reading a book right now that's kind of talking about a lot of a lot of that mindset of looking at metrics and the importance of metrics, but having the open mind of saying, you know, what I like, right? And I think about it with with our podcast platform between Bailey, Andrew, and I. Like we talk about trends or or what we think is happening, but at the end of the day, right? Like it's the consumer that is that is giving you that feedback and it's paying attention to that feedback. Um, and then, like you said, if something's working, keep doing it. Yeah. And, and, and I'm a huge NFL fan, right? So it's not just, you know, I'm a, I'm a Vikings guy, but I mean, yeah. it's not just the Vikings, the NFL and how they operate their business and so on and so forth. And in the last year or so, there's been so much about analytics, right? It's just a kind of a buzzword now. It's just right. like, on fourth down, what do we do? Here's what the numbers say. Literally. But I honestly believe, and in, in, in we see this, that there's still a huge value in gut. And, you know, experience is still a very, very big factor in, in things that we do. And, and, and we've certainly done some things wrong, but we've never done things so wrong it was catastrophic. Um, and, and, and so, okay, well, that didn't work. Let's try something else. That's kind of our mindset is, again, if, if we can do things that – provide value to to the reader because we know there's hundreds of sites out there right there's hundreds yeah and i always said if i can just if, if i could just get you to stop by for a couple minutes a day that'd be great i don't want you to not go other places because there's a tremendous amount of information out there but if we can provide you something of value that you can take with you that's awesome and that's our goal gotcha gotcha and and in those beginning years, 2007, 2008, right? Have the financial crisis occur, you know, yep. by 2009, 2010, what were you sitting there like, okay, how are we going to get revenue here? What was, what were those early year struggles, especially launching in that time frame? So it was the worst time in the world to launch a new business, <laughs> which also made it in the midst of difficulty lies opportunity, mm -hmm. Right. So if you could, if you could tread water long enough, you were going to make it. And so there was just two of us on the payroll. Um, and, and so we had to figure it out. We were fortunate enough to have many, many years in the industry and relationships. So we would just, you know, we'd go to those relationships and say, this is what we're going to do. And, you know, this is, and it was honest, it was just dudes talking to dudes and right. and saying this is what we're trying to do this is what we're going to do and we're going to make sure you get value and and reports and so on and so forth 
and and that's really what it was. So 2009 was really tough, um, really tough because it wasn't it wasn't. I mean, the recreational funding went away, right? Everybody was financing cars, boats, uh, four wheelers, whatever, with their home equity loans. Well, now there wasn't any. It's crazy to me. It was all with home equity loans. It's all paper money. It it, it wasn't real. Um, and so, um, so that all went away. And banks had so many rules about whether they could keep finance anything for you or anything like that. And unless you had eight hundred credit rating, you weren't getting anything. So the people that had money that were able to pay cash would can continue. Um, but that caused the industry to kind of go, "Whoa, we got to back off a little bit." And so things got really tight. And we managed to survive that by being as lean as we could be. Obviously, we're two guys, so we were pretty lean already. Um, But, you know, so anything you could pick up. So you try to have a rate card, but you don't have a rate card when you start up. You're taking whatever you can take to, you know, start a relationship in the media world. And we were way behind because there were other people. Mark Mark was out there with Bass Zone for a long time. Bass Mm -hmm. Fan had been out there a long time. They were very established. And and they had their niche and they, and, and they deserve that. And they earned those. Mm-hmm. We're a new guy. Um, and so anytime there's struggles financially from an industry standpoint is in order to continue with some people, a lot of times what they have to do is, is take something away from someone else because no one's getting a new budget. Sure. Right. Nobody's getting more money. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can, and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.